0: Welcome to AMI Sites, a podcast that offers you access to thought leaders who can help you expand your entrepreneurial toolbox. Learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have already walked in your shoes and can help you with your day-to-day business decisions. Join the founder and CEO of Multi-Funding, Ami Kassar, and his co-host, Lynn Ozer, the president of Multi-Funding, a.k.a. the SBA Queen, as they help you navigate, grow, and stay in control of your business. Hey, welcome to the latest edition of Ami Sites. I'm your host, Ami Kassar, along with my co-host, Lynn Ozer, a.k.a. SBA Queen. Super happy and excited to have our guest today, Matthew Paula author of The Introvert's Edge. I've often said, I'm a functioning introvert. People don't believe me, but it's very true. So we're super excited to hear what Matthew has to tell us about The Introvert's Edge, as well as all of the lessons he's learned from all the companies he's built and grown and his super interesting work and sales training, et cetera. Matthew, welcome to the show.
1: My I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Love to hear a little bit about yourself, your work, and what makes you tick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess what makes me tick right now is is helping people realize that uh, introverts aren't second class citizens. Their path to success is just different to to that of an extrovert, and not to not to say. And just for the people that are extroverted listening, this isn't going to be an extrovert bashing kind of session. It's just because introverts believe that if they don't have gift of gab, they can't succeed, and and some might say that extroverts aren't the best listeners, they're not the most empathetic, but they do know they can learn those skills and introverts believe that they can't learn those skills. So it's actually quite interesting that you introduce yourself as a a functional introvert, um, or a functioning introvert, because what I find is that there are what I call secret introverted titans everywhere. And when we say that they're functioning, well, they're actually suvi- not only surviving. I mean, Zig Ziglar, the most well known sales trainer on the planet, is an introvert. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, the world's largest networking group in the world, is an introvert. If you think you can't do small talk, well, Oprah Winfrey and David Letterman are introverts. So the thing you've, you've got to understand is that there's no such thing as a functioning introvert, as in I'm surviving in an extroverted world or that mindset that people grow to. As a matter of fact, I believe that the it's the biggest part of the biggest fake news you've ever heard is that introverts have to have a gift of gab to be successful. They just need to lean into their natural gifts and plan and prepare. And I I I guess I learned that the hard way. I mean, I was a a guy with a reading speed of a sixth grader in late high school. I was super introverted. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I, after losing my job just before Christmas, I fell into commission-only sales role because it's the only job. Like Australia goes on holidays on the 20th of December. They don't come back till the 15th or 20th of January. The only people hiring are commission-only sales. And I remember getting five days product training and not a single second of sales training, get thrown on this road called Sydney Road in Melbourne, Australia. I mean, it was 93 doors before my first sale. I remember going into my first door going, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to say. Taking a deep breath and walking in and thinking that that rejection of just getting told to leave was bad. wasn't as bad as getting sworn at in the next door or getting told to get a real job in the next door. I mean, it was the only job I could get, but door after door, this kept happening. And I think I made a, a big decision at that point because, I mean, while I made $70 on that 93rd door and while I was ecstatic for about 45 seconds, I had this realization, I got to do this again tomorrow, the next day and the next. And I just that, the whole idea of that was not okay. And for me, instead of giving up like a lot of introverts probably would, or just accepting that that was the way it was going to be, and just living, relying on lady luck, I guess, to, to survive, I taught myself how to sell watching YouTube videos. Well, long story short, I ended up the, the number one salesperson in the largest sales and marketing company in the Southern Hemisphere. Fast forward just shy of a decade, I'd been responsible for five multi million dollar success stories. And now I really spend my life helping real introverts realize that the key to rapid growth, especially for those people that are listening that, that have businesses, is not by getting better at your functional skill. You're probably already amazing at that. It's about focusing on three things outside the scope of your functional skill that will really allow you to build a rapid growth business that revolves around you, your family, and your life. And I will say that one of those is sales. But if you start with sales, you've already lost, right? There's a lot of heavy lifting that you can do by differentiating yourself and niching down so that you know when you go to a networking event, say, and somebody says, what do you do? I mean, if I say I'm a sales trainer, people look at me like I'm one step above a scam artist. And if I say I'm you know, I'm in marketing, they're like, oh, I need marketing. How much do you cost? And now I've got to get out of that bucket and say, oh, but I'm different. I've got magic ruby slippers. Like it's it's a horrible situation that most people put themselves in because they avoid the things that they need to do to truly be successful. And that's because in a lot of ways they've told themselves that they can never do it. So why would they try? Wow.
2: <laughs> I, I was gonna say, so you lost your job and that's what happened. So did you then go on to college and, and study something else and then got into starting businesses? And did you own the businesses or you were the lead salesperson in all those businesses?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there are a couple of answers to that. So firstly, when I left high school, I mean, I had, I had this thing called Erlen syndrome. I, w- I was misdiagnosed as having dyslexia first. And so basically what that means is I put on this funny pair of colored lenses and miraculously I can learn to read, not like everyone else, but I could start the process. So I worked really hard that last two years of high school, but I was burned out. I was exhausted and I really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So because of that, my family and I all agreed I would spend a year finding myself. And so because of that, I actually went away and I took a job doing door to door. Well, I I started, I didn't end up originally there. So I, I took a job Doing data entry at a real estate agency, right? So I wasn't the guy out selling. I was, you know, I had this look on my face like, "Don't talk to me. I'm here to find myself." And I was just, I was going to be very happy just doing data entry. And I think, if I didn't lose my job three weeks into that because they decided to shut down the office, I, I mean, I would never be here today. I'd probably be very happy still doing data entry. And this is the thing: I'm not saying to people that they need to learn how to sell if they're if they're an introvert or they need to learn how to run their own business. But there are people that are very happy doing data entry. There are people that are very happy coding and writing and doing a lot of more quiet jobs. But there are a lot of people that want, perhaps because they didn't have a degree, they want to be in sales and they know that they can make great money doing that. Or they want to start their own business because they want to deliver their service their way and not be bullied around by a boss. And they believe that they can't. And I think for me, I, what happened, I lost my job. And I, 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 remember, I, mean, I remember losing my job that day and going to the, the news agency to pick up the classifieds. And the news agency, by the way, in Australia is where you go to pick up magazines and and newspapers and things. And I looked in there. I mean, this was going into, I mean, think about it for the people that own businesses that are listening. Think about it. You're about to go on a month long holiday. How many people are you hiring? I mean, we have our summer break and our Christmas break at the same time. Nobody's hiring. The only jobs I found that were three and they're all called commission only sales roles. That was terrifying for me. But the fact was, the only thing that was more terrifying than that was telling my father who I just committed uh, to supporting myself for the year, he broke his back 80 hours a week and I, I was not going to tell him I had nothing lined up. So I picked up the phone, I called all three places, all three of them gave me interviews and then all three of them offered me jobs. And I remember thinking, maybe they see something in me that I don't see in myself. I actually remember going in a little bit more confident and emboldened into the first stage training. And then the training manager said, Matt, we just hire everyone. We've got this saying, we throw mud up against the wall, we see what sticks. It's a, a fun saying until you realize you're the mud. I'm the guy selling... And as I said, it was $93 before my first sale, but I went home that day and I decided sales had to be a system. And because of that, I was like, well, I can't pick up a Brian Tracy book. I mean, it would be a year to read that, let alone apply it So with my reading issues. So I went and taught myself how to sell watching YouTube videos. And every day, I remember I'd go home and I'd spend eight hours practicing the next step or the, the step that I was working on and perfecting it. And then I'd go out in the field and I would go out and sell for eight hours. And every day, that was 16 hour days, weekends, I'd spend 16 hours practicing. And I, I know it doesn't sound fun to everybody that's listening. And I'm not even prescribing this to you. I'm saying that, you know, it took me, I mean, within the space of just a week, it was, I was, the number of doors were going down that it took me to make a sale. Soon it was 71 doors, then it was 36 doors, then it was 22, then it was 19, then it was eight, then it was three. I got it down to making a sale. Over the course of about six weeks, I got it down to making a sale on average every third door. And I remember my, my manager pulled me aside about six weeks in. I thought I was in trouble, actually. like I remember, I mean, I was the quiet guy that handed my paperwork in downstairs. I didn't really talk to anyone upstairs. The big boisterous salespeople talking about how they locked in that deal or they, how the market was getting tougher. And he's like, Matt, we're kind of blown away by this. We just got our national sales figures. You're the number one salesperson in the company. And I mean, this company employed thousands of salespeople and I didn't even know anybody right? It was just this weird thing that just happened. And they're like, well, if you can sell, you can manage. I don't know why people think that. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. They're like, don't worry. We'll throw you 20 people, mud up against the wall. We'll see what's six. Well, no one's stuck. Everybody quit on me in 24 hours. So back to YouTube, learned to manage, but got pretty good at it. Got promoted about seven times in the space of 12 months. And then I started my first business just before my 20th birthday. I was still 19. And that business turned over a million dollars in the first 12 months by year three, it was the number one business brokership for business-to-business cell phones in the country. So yeah, after that, everything had been my own business. And uh, you asked me about the, uh, the degree. I never actually went and got a degree, but I, do, I did go back and get do my master's. And people don't know this, actually, that if you've got eight years of senior management experience, you don't have to do an undergraduate. You can go straight into a master's program. And uh, so my last, my last business was an education company. And you know I just felt a little bit inauthentic selling education, not having one. So I decided that I was going to go back and 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 do a qualification. But the way I saw undergraduates, it was, it was like a, a proof you can learn. It was like they were babying you to recite textbooks. And I was like, I can't do that. And then I discovered that you could do an MBA. And an MBA to me felt like, okay, you're actually learning to do specific things, which is humorous because my wife, when she first met me, they're like, yeah, you can do that in Australia, some funny country, but you can't do that in America. Well, the sister company, uh, uh, the sister university of the university that I did that with in Australia is actually the University of Texas. And they do have the same program where you can go straight into an MBA if you've had a large enough of senior leadership experience and running your own business with you know, 50, 60 staff is classified as, as senior experience. So I actually got the opportunity to go back and I loved that. I, I would say that it really helped me understand what I was doing, why certain things that I was doing were working and why certain things that were exploding on me, why they were exploding and how to fix that. So it was very helpful, but an undergraduate wouldn't have been. The master's in learning how to apply it was. But that being said, I remember being in my marketing subject and saying to the marketing professor, this doesn't actually work in the real world. Like I do this every day and this is the way it needs to happen. And I ended up walking out um, with a client, like one of the people that was one of the MBA teachers ended up being one of my clients um, for for quite a while afterwards, just because the way I do business was very different to the way mod marketers think about growing a business, especially in the small business world. So what did you say you were selling? Originally, I was selling telecommunications. Right. So when I was selling door to door, and I mean, we've all had those people knock on our doors in our houses, right? Do you want to change your telephone plan? That was me, except I was walking business to business. So you know, I'd be walking into somebody's business, and they've got customers in the shop. And I would walk in, and I'd be like, "So, you know, we're trying out a new, you um, know, savers package. You know, is that something you're interested in?" Of course, I, I wouldn't say something horrible like that, but the the framing was that I'd be trying to get people to change their phone plan, their cell phone plan, their internet plan, get a one three hundred or an eighteen hundred number. You know, those kind of things were what what I was doing. And it's not like I was I was invited to be there. I would be showing up sometimes at you know restaurants at lunchtime to say, yeah, I know that those people are important, those customers, but I look, pay attention to me.
2: <laughs> so that was the first one. And then what was the next? Did well, you go my own businesses
1: next? stretch from, obviously, the first business uh, that I started was telecommunications. Right. So you know, it, it was all I knew. And so I moved into the mm-hmm. telecommunications space. And then I went to other like more commodity-based things because I felt like I understood how to sell people things that saved people money. So because of that, I moved into, you know, electricity and, you know, other commoditized products like that. Um, But then over time, I learned that actually, people are actively looking for a message that they identify with, and for that, they'll pay a premium. So because of that, you know, it became less about price. The problem is that if you're selling like for like, of course, price is the only factor. And that's why I see a lot of small businesses that get stuck in this endless hamster wheel of struggling to find interest to people trying to set themselves apart, trying to make the sale. And they feel like people only care about one thing, price. Well, if you're like, introducing yourself by your functional skill, people see you as the same as everybody else, even though that's not true. You've got unique experiences, unique past customers, You know that you have something unique about you that you can offer someone. The problem is the brain is, is programmed to, qualify, to put you in categories. And as soon as they put you in a category, like I'm an accountant, I'm a ghostwriter, I'm a bookkeeper, that you can't get out of it. So what I realized is that if you differentiate it slightly, you, I mean, you could truthfully create a rapid growth business out of anything. And it was nothing worse in my mind than a rapid growth business with customers you don't like and a business you couldn't stand. I got so tired of hearing about things like call rates and, you know, and your cost per kilowatt. So I started to move into, well, the, the, the last company that I, that I had was an education company. So we actually grew to be the fastest growing, uh, nationally accredited, your equivalent of a college in, in the country. We had three and a half thousand tradespeople as students. And, you know, we also had a coaching business that that did really well. And that that actually had a a government funding program on the back of it. But, you know, lots of different things, everything, including construction. When I got here, you know, my entire business has been about helping other introverts realize that they can succeed. Um, And the books that you see behind you, they've sold over 100,000 copies, they're in 16 languages. And it's really sharing. You know, I I remember growing up reading, and don't get me wrong, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad is an amazing book. But These fable stories, I think introverts needed something a little bit deeper because they don't believe that they can succeed. And so every every story you see in my books are real stories of me, real stories of clients, people with chronic stutters that went from making no money at all to nearly seven figure businesses within a year. You know, things that does that help you understand the ideology. And of course, I give you the theory of you know what works as an introvert in selling and networking without the bulldog you know, the stuff that doesn't even work that well, just the stuff that most introverts, most people think that they need to behave like to succeed in networking and sales, but actually, you know, helping people realize that there are real introverts all over the world that are doing these things and succeeding, not just getting by, but really excelling. So talk about how you sold your businesses. I think
2: that a lot of the entrepreneurs that listen to us are like, okay, let's have five businesses. When did you sell? How did you decide to sell? and what made you move on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, the first thing is, and I, I think for a lot of people that are, that are listening to this, most people don't build a business at the start to sell a business, right? They, they build a business because they love their business. They love what they do. And they get to the point where they're getting older, they're getting tighter. And they're like, you know what, I got to sell it. And especially in today's economy, right? There are more people retiring every day than people entering the workforce because the baby boomers are retiring. So if you don't really start with a mindset of, I'm going to sell my business and build a... a What's really funny is when you try and build a business and prepare a business for sale, the focal point that most people have in their head is that, okay, I'll do that when I'm starting to get to the point where I'm thinking about selling it. What's funny is that then they realize to make a business for sale, it has to be a business that somebody will buy. And because of that, they have to have systems and processes. They have to have technology. They have to make sure their teams are efficient. They have to get rid of all the company politics. They've got to make sure that they're not the primary salesperson. And what's hilarious is that then they realized that when they started the business, if they had have done this, this would have been a business that they enjoyed much more. And because of that, because the business in a lot of ways doesn't revolve around them anymore. What I find is that usually the person that owns the business, even if they're introverted and they're revolving on the feast and famine of their you know, referrals and things like that, they still are the primary salesperson in their business and they still spend their life fighting on price and trying to be seen as different to everyone else. And, it, and it's a constant hustle. I would heavily recommend that the businesses that people have they should always build that business ready for sale from the day that they start. They should be considering that up front because then it would be a business that they would buy. Now, the thing that I will say to, to most people is that, and there's some strategies that I'd much prefer to spend my time talking about about how to get to that place where people are chasing you to work with you. People don't care about prices and premiums because when you do that, then your business is so, so much stronger. And I will say, I've never had to sell any of the businesses that I've worked with because they they the ones there were certain ones. Don't get me wrong that were purely based on funding and grants that no longer exist. But that was because we made great money. But there are others that just run themselves, and I've just never needed to. I make great money out of them. I've just never had to sell them. And if for people that can't see me on camera, I'm like 12 years old. So the thing that people get wrong is that if you can manage a business with very little bandwidth every month, then you can continually grow your profit lines. You can continually grow your, and by the way, you know, EBIT, what do they say about EBITDA? It's just a delusion, right? <laughs> because a lot of times people have really great revenues and bad profits and, you know, they're, they're stressful businesses. They're not things that people will buy. Like, oh, I should be able to get this multiple. Well, no one will pay a multiple for something that requires a lot of stress. Well, once it is a is isn't a lot of stress, why would you sell it, right? What are you going to do? Invest the money into a property and then have to deal with tenants? Like business is by far the best way to make money. But the problem is most businesses are a hamster wheel of struggling to find interested people and fighting to get paid and dealing with staff politics and stress. So what I would highly recommend for people is firstly, and we can talk about this now, let's talk about how to differentiate yourself and niche down and actually get paid what you're worth. Because then when you make a lot more money, is this saying sales solves everything? I disagree. Marketing solves everything. Learning how to differentiate solves everything. At worst case, if you have none of that, sales has to solve everything. But if you've got great sales, great marketing, you get paid really well. You can afford to build the infrastructure that you need not to be the person that does everything in your business, not to be the CEO of your own business, then you don't have to sell it. Now, of course, I would suggest eventually you have to sell your business. But if you're getting, I mean, what are we going to get in the real, in the financial market? I mean, people will say, if you'd be lucky to get a 10% return, you might be lucky to get a 4% return. If your businesses are doing better than that, why would you ever sell them? Until you start to get old and you're like, you know what? I just can't handle the stress and pressure of this. I want to live off my savings and not deal with that stress. And I think that's what people do wrong, right? They're, they're building a business for sale and then they sell it to invest in the next business and they lose their money. Or they get tired and they haven't built their business for sale. So it's super stressful. I've found that I've got a client in, in New Zealand. He helps people build their businesses ready for sale. And guess what? Now that it's ready for sale, they don't want to sell it because it's not exhausting anymore. It's not stressful anymore. They've got a CEO in place. and they're like, Oh, I could do this in my spare time. Guess what? That's the way business is supposed to be. It's a lot of information, but it's also
2: interesting and true. What do you do with your time now? How do you like to spend your time now?
1: Well, what I like to do is I spend, I spend my life inspiring introverts that firstly, they can succeed. And that's why I've, I've written the books. But I think the, the most important thing for people to understand is that sales and networking and even selling online, it's much more difficult than it needs to be because people define themselves by their functional skill. And actually, you know what? Let me give you an example. I worked with a, a language coach out of California, and she taught kids and adults Mandarin. And for the longest time, she charged $50 to $80 an hour for private consultation. And I mean, she personally felt like she was doing well, but then all these people were moving into California and they were willing to charge $30 to $40 an hour. And so she's now fighting against those people. And then there are people in China now, thanks to this global economy that we now live in, that are willing to charge $12 an hour on Craigslist. And she's competing against that. And then on top of that, thanks to our friends in Silicon Valley, technology replaces everyone, right? I'll teach you Mandarin, you teach me English. We just won't charge anyone anything. So now she's competing against free. Try and sell that business. Good luck. Right. So what she did is she came to me and she's like, Matt, I feel like I need to learn how to sell better. And I said, no, like if you start with sales, you've already lost. Like think about it. Right. What we need to do is look at how to sidestep that battle altogether. So what I did is I looked at all the clients she'd worked with over the years and she'd worked with, I mean, hundreds. What I discovered is there were two executives that she worked with, which she seemed to help them with much more than just language tuition. These were executives being relocated to China, and she helped them understand the difference between e-commerce in China and the Western world, the importance of of respect, why learning the language isn't enough, you have to reduce your accent, how to handle a business card, and why it matters so much in China. And more importantly, she helped them understand the difference in rapport. Like, I mean, if we're in the Western world, and, and if I'm trying to sell you something and I'm really bad at sales, I might say something horrible at the end, like, do you want to move forward? And if you say you want to think about it, I know my chances of getting that sale have gone down. And if you say a week from now you want to think about it, I know I'm pretty much not getting that sale. In China, they're going to want to meet with you five or six times before they discuss business. They're probably going to want to see you drunk over karaoke once or twice. It's just, I mean, it's who they are. But the reason for that is they're talking about 20 to 30 year deals, not transactional 12 month relationships. So they need to know the character of the person they're doing business with. And I'm like, when I'm blown away, there's so much you're doing for these people than just language tuition. What are you doing? And in her mind, she was just helping. And it, like when I do, when I talk, I tell this story from stage, and I'm like, "Who here?" does a whole bunch of things for their customers they don't mention when they're selling to them. And like everybody's hands goes up because everybody does. Like, and truthfully, if you think you don't, you're wrong because there is no reason people pay you a premium, and there's no reason why people stay with you and sing your praises. So if you've got ever got a testimonial or ever pay somebody's paid you that didn't, that chose to pay you, even though someone else was cheaper, there's something unique about you. And I said, Wendy, you're stuck in your functional skill. Is it fair to assume as a result of the assistance you're giving these people, they're going to be more successful when they get to China? And she's like, I mean, yeah, that's the point, right? And I'm like, well, great. Well, let's call you the China success coach then. Forget about Mandarin education for a second. What we ended up doing was creating the China success intensive. It was a five-week program that worked with the executive, the spouse, and any children being relocated to China. And she loved the idea of this, but she's like, well, who do I sell it to? Now she's asking who to network with. And everybody thinks the answer is the big the big group. So I was like, well, who do you think you should sell it to? And of course, her answer was every executive that's going to China. Like, yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I was terrified moving from Australia to the United States. And people here speak the same language. Imagine going to China. I just don't think it's your ideal client. And she's like, oh, well, the company would pay. I'm like, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, you know, executive companies have got millions of dollars riding on the executive being successful. I get that too. I still don't think so. Now she's frustrated with me. She's like, "Well, who then?" And I said, "Well, I think your ideal client's the immigration attorney." Now she's looking at me like I speak a different language. And I'm like, "Well, think about it for a second. These people make five to seven thousand dollars for doing a visa, handling all the paperwork and the bureaucracy that comes with that. They've got to get customers, which isn't cheap. They've got staff and rent to pay for. They'd be lucky to make three thousand dollars." I said, "So why not just offer them three thousand dollars for a successful introduction?" They love the idea. They're like, "Double my profit for a simple introduction." What have I got to say? all you've got to do is say, congratulations, you've now got your visa. I just want to double check you're as ready as possible to be relocated to China. And they'd always respond with, yeah, I think we're set. You know, we've got our place sorted. We're learning the language. Kids are getting pretty good at it too. You know, we've got the visa now. Thank you. I think we're set. And she would just have them respond with, there's a lot more to it than that. I think you need to speak to the China success coach. When he would then get on the phone with the easiest sale in the world, they were terrified to go. The company was motivated to pay. They were recommended by their attorney. She charged $30,000 for this five-week program. Minus a $3,000 commission, she made $27,000 for the easiest sale in the world. And all that took for the listeners at home is saying, what do I do outside the scope of my functional skill? And then what is the high-level benefit of that? For Wendy, it was rapport, respect, and e-commerce. The high-level benefit was China success. For me, I'm a sales trainer. I'm a marketing specialist. I'm a master in neuro-linguistic programming. I'm a business coach. Truthfully, I'm too many things, and nobody cares. They don't care how hard it was for me to learn these things or how long it took me to to learn them. But when I say I'm the rapid growth guy and I specialize in helping introverted service providers obtain rapid growth, it's the simplicity of that message that gets me heard in the crowded marketplace. It gets people from all over the world to chase me as opposed to hustle every day to say I'm a sales trainer and then defend myself that I'm not really a scam artist, that I'm different. I've got magic ruby slippers. That's the key. Once you have that, business isn't that hard because you're in a category of one. And then sales doesn't need to be so difficult because you don't need to learn you know, special tactics. Now, don't get me wrong. You do want a step-by-step system that leads to a sale because sales is just like everything else. It's systematic in a business. It's not this natural ability, but you don't have to be so good at it because you're differentiated and there are people coming to you or meeting you in a networking room that resonate with your message and see you as the only logical choice. That's what I love to spend my time doing these days, helping people realize that their difference is the key to success. They shouldn't st- define themselves by what makes them the same, but what makes them different. <laughs> it's really interesting. Really interesting.
2: Terrific. So now you are on the speaker circuit and what? who's your favorite audience?
1: You know, it's funny. I So when people, I, I still have trouble when people say I'm on the speaker circuit, but I'm getting more used to it. So originally I used to, you know, speak for free to get clients and then people started offering me money to speak. And even though I would say, you know, I, I every time I spoke, I would tell people they don't need to buy from me. They just need to do this thing. And actually, for the people listening at home, I'll say the same. You don't need to you don't need to hire me to get to this outcome. I've got a great template, MatthewPollard.com forward slash growth. And you can actually download this template. Now, what I would recommend is people listen to this, get somebody else that you know to listen to this podcast episode as well, not someone in the same industry. So if you're a business coach, go work with your, your friend that's a florist. If you're an attorney, go work with your business coach buddy right? But what you need to do is have someone outside your scope of your functional skill. And funnily enough, I do this. I did this recently at the National Freelance Conference. And I said at the end, who here now has a unified message that will excite and inspire other people to want to know more? Their version of the China success coach, the rapid growth guy, and who here has identified their niche of of willing to buy clients. And like 97% of the room put their hands up, which sounds great until I said, look, do me a favor, keep your hand up if this is the most time you've spent marketing, actively working on your marketing, not just reading about it or consuming it, but actively working on it since you started your business. And like 85% out of the room kept their hands up. The sad thing is, I mean, the whole session was 90 minutes long, right? This stuff works if you spend the time doing it. So I would highly recommend that everybody gets a friend to listen to the podcast and download the template at matthewpollard.com forward slash growth, right? So yes, you can come to one of my events and, I love speaking at small business events for that reason, because I get people to come up with these answers. But what was funny is originally I spoke for free to get clients and I would tell a few stories, give these templates, and I would then tell people not to hire me. But I'd always make, you know, there's always somebody that wants them to, somebody to just do it for them. So I was working with people doing that. And then people started offering me money to speak. And I'm like, but I'm not a speaker. Like, and they're like, yeah, but we want you to speak. So we, and this is what we, the speaker fee was. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll, I'll do that then. And then I realized that I I could go on podcasts and share stories and I, I didn't need to leave my house. Like I've actually got, I've got a platform called Introvert You, and I literally have, you know, how to share your message from home in your PJs. Um, and it's literally, drive, you know, I use podcasts to drive people from to me from all over the world to direct them to my books and, you know, things like that. But what happened was because I found that speaking at events allowed me to provide such a great impact. I went, you know what, I'm going to speak more often. And I started speaking at just small business events. and what was interesting is I speak at a few corporate events as well. And I had a person ask me about three years ago, you know, how did you get into the speaker circuit? And it was hilarious because I responded with, oh, I'm not a speaker. And I realized to him how, my, how that would have come. I mean, he paid me way over five. Like it was not a small amount of money, it was, it was a five figure number and it didn't start with a one. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. So he was like, what do you mean you're not a speaker? And I went, oh, gosh, poor me. I shouldn't have said that to him because he thought he hired a speaker. I'm a consultant. Like I start businesses, I help people run businesses. I love to speak because I feel like it has an impact, but I never classified myself as a speaker because I didn't, you know, I thought I had amazing content. I was a good speaker with amazing content, but a speaker should be an amazing speaker. And it was only during COVID that the world went virtual. And because of that, I, you know, we built a studio and I had to learn to be more emotive, to be engaging on camera. And the first time I remember I spoke in Greece, and the meeting planner came up to me and said, You know what? I watched your sizzle video. The person I saw on stage is not the person that I hired. And I'm like, thinking it was a bad thing. Gosh, I hope it was okay. And she responded, You're emotional. Like the way you are emotive, the way you captured the audience, I've never seen anything like it. I've never, like, you are one of the best speaker that I've ever seen. And I went back and watched the video and I went, Okay, what I learned in COVID really allowed me. I now call myself a speaker, but it's only been the last couple of years. But when you say, What audience do I love speaking to? There are, what's interesting is the corporate world because the introvert's edge, there's a chapter on storytelling that corporations came to me and it was actually Oracle originally. And they're like, we've tried to operationalize storytelling in the past and it just takes months and never, you know, it loses steam. You've only written a chapter on storytelling. We think you can operationalize it. And I made this joke, you know, introverts overcomplicate everything. So I wanted to make it simple. But what I actually did is I delivered a keynote from stage. And then throughout that presentation, I invited people up um, to tell their story from stage. And then I would transform the stories live from stage, so people could see it takes five minutes to transform the story, not eight months. And really, the story's got nothing to do with the jargon. Like most people want to spew jargon out about all the things that they do and why they're so wonderful. It's got nothing to do with them, and it's got nothing to do with the jargon. That's what people want to hear, that you know their pain, and you've helped other people with that pain get to a positive outcome. They don't care if you put a stapler on the deck's desk and it fixes the problem. They don't care what you do. they only care that you understand them and that you can help. So I do a lot of corporate events, but if you want to ask. What I absolutely love doing, I love speaking at small business events because for me, they're my people. You know, I you know built five multi-million dollar success stories from the ground up. I love helping small businesses, and I feel there's something heroic about a person with enough talent, skill, and belief in themselves to start a business of their own. And I find that if they just get out of their functional skill just for a minute to think about the unified message, their version of the China Success Coach, the Rapid Growth Guy, if they niche down and they understand that sales is a system, a methodical system that literally is something that they can plan, improve and then teach to others. They can have an amazing income doing what they love, but because they don't think about that, they spend a lot of time struggling on price and even resenting their clients because they feel underpaid and underappreciated. And that's why I love speaking events. You know, I speak at a lot of uh, entrepreneurial organization events where you've got to have like a million dollar revenue to be a member, and yeah. I just love those events because they're really great active listeners, they really engaged the audience. And I mean, they've got to a million dollar revenue, but that doesn't necessarily mean a million dollars in profit, right? A lot of these people aren't making great money. And with a few changes, you know, I worked with an accountant recently. We increased their prices. He was working over 100 hours a week, earning just less than $50,000 a year. We increased his prices by 430%. He retained 82% of his clients in the space of just several months. And now he works just over a 40-hour work week, earns over $150,000 a year and can afford a team to do all the work for him. Now he's a business owner. It's
2: crazy. It's
1: fascinating and
2: exciting. Matthew, where do people find you if they want to learn more?
1: Well, I guess my publisher will hate me if I don't say that they should definitely check out the books, but I, my publisher is going to hate me anyway because I'm going to say, you don't need to buy my books. Like if you go to the introvertsedge.com, you'll be able to download the first chapter of The Introvert's Edge. And for those people that struggle with sales, what I say is, first thing, it'll get you over the belief that you can't sell as an introvert. And then I give you a seven-step system. And if you, like in the first chapter, in that free chapter, i give you the seven-step system. And if you do nothing more than grab what you currently say and put it into that, you'll quickly realize, firstly, there's some things that don't fit. Throw that out. You shouldn't be saying it to clients. Then you'll realize there's some gaping holes and some things out of order. Fill the holes, fix the order. And then, I mean, that'll fix the people asking about price too soon, especially because I know people hate that. And it's because you don't have the right system. So because of that, the customer takes charge and asks about price. If you do nothing more than download that first chapter and implement what that first chapter highlights, you'll double your sales in the next 60 days. And if you go to the introvert's edge to networking.com, Basically, I'll do the exact same thing for a networking process. But for the people listening, like I believe in take people taking action. Like, don't get me wrong, I love sharing the message and aspiring introverts to believe that they can excel. But it, it kills me when people call me and say, you know, I heard you on a podcast and you transformed my life. And I'm like, oh great. So you've got your unified message. No, no, I haven't really got that. Well, like, how has it changed your life? Well, just knowing I can excel as an introvert has changed my life. Well, no, well, no, it doesn't. I mean, it may feel it may feel nice inside, but it doesn't change your life. So for the people that are listening, my biggest recommendation is to go to MatthewPollard.com. I mean, sure, you can go to MatthewPollard.com, the whole website, and there's tons of content there. There's tons on social media, on YouTube. You know, I repay the favor by putting a ton of content out there. But introverts have a classic behavior of overcomplicating everything. They 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 dabble in a whole bunch of things, they watch a bunch of videos, they overcomplicate it, and then they go back to what I call busy procrastination. Work really really hard on all the different things, getting sidetracked and going, this isn't working. It's taking too long. Let me go back to what's practical in my business and never moving forward. So just go to matthewpollard.com forward slash growth, download that template and do the template. And remember do it with somebody else. So get them to listen to this podcast and make sure that you spend about an hour, hour and a half on them and get them to spend about an hour and an hour and a half on you. If you do that, you will transform your business. And the person that you ask to help you will thank you for the rest of their lives because for the first time, they'll start going to customers and not feeling transactional, which introverts can't stand. Wow. Thank you. Once again,
2: matthewpoller.com forward slash forward slash growth. Okay. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for joining us today on AMI Sites. Since 2010, multifunding has helped businesses achieve their biggest growth goals through creative and personalized funding solutions, working with a network of the nation's top lenders. Visit us at multifunding.com, where you can meet our advisory team and learn more about how we help entrepreneurs fund their future.